Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. in prayer and let us pray for God to illumine the scriptures this morning. Let us pray. God, grant that the words you speak to us this day may take root in all of our hearts and bear fruit to your honor and your glory. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I invite you to follow along with scripture. It is written out in your bulletin. And for those of you at home, it is going to be on the screen as it always is. The reason why it is written out in our bulletin this morning is because I have chosen a different translation than we normally use. Just a moment of teaching. We normally use the New Revised Standard Version. If you pull out the Bible in the pew in front of you, that's what you'll find. However, the message was written by Pastor Eugene Peterson, and he spent about 10 years translating the whole Bible with the entire purpose of um, to create a Bible brimming with the life God has for today's readers. That's the exact reason why I chose it this morning. So let us read scripture now. That same day, the two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize who he was. Jesus asked, What's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they'd lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during the last few days? Jesus said, What's happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, he was a man of God and a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death, and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it has happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with a story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, So thick-headed, 
so slow-hearted? Why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see these things that had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then Jesus started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all of the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village they were headed to. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they pressed him, saying, Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening and the day is done. So he went in with them. And here is what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking bread. He blessed and broke and gave it to them. And at that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as, we, as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Amen. Okay, so here's the question this morning. How do you know when Jesus shows up? How do any of us know? This is the exact question this story is trying to help us answer. This story is one of the few post-resurrection appearances. And that simply means it's a story that we have of a time when Jesus showed himself to his followers after he rose from the dead on Easter morning, but before he ascended into heaven. This passage is a great story. And to be honest, it's one of my favorites. But I have to be honest with you. It's fraught with tons of historical and academic problems. First, let's talk about Emmaus. We don't really know where it is. Okay, the story tells us that it was about seven miles outside of Jerusalem, probably about a day's walk from Jerusalem. And there are scholars, amazing scholars, who have spent their entire careers trying to identify where Emmaus is. And they've come up with some pretty great educated guesses. Yet the truth is, we just don't know. Second, let's talk about this guy named Cleopas. This is the only story in the Bible that he is mentioned. Is he real? Is he not? We don't really know, and scholars don't really know. But we know that he's mentioned here in this scripture. Third, this story is only found in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew doesn't have it. Mark doesn't have it. John has nothing to say about Cleopas and his friends on the road to Emmaus. But I tend to think we're not here to read this story because we're trying to be biblical or historical scholars this morning. 
We are reading this story to discover what God is trying to say to us. So it seems to me that Luke wrote this passage, this story, as a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. Yet I actually wonder with you if this is a peek into the early church wrestling with the same questions that we wrestle with. How do we know when Jesus shows up? The book of Luke was written towards the end of the first century. For those of you keeping score, this was after the fall of the second temple in Jerusalem. Luke, as an author, is not just concerned with telling the story of Jesus, making sure the followers know who he is. Luke is also concerned with writing to address the theological and social issues that the early church was wrestling with. So I wonder if we can go back and look at this Walk to Emmaus text, instead of through a historical lens, but rather as an example of what the Christian walk of faith is like and how we are to do it together. So let's start again. Two guys are walking somewhere, and on the way, they meet someone who asks them what they're talking about. So they tell him the story of Jesus' life. Once they get to where they are going, the guys invite this traveler in to eat with them. And it's in the breaking of the bread that Jesus reveals himself to them. And then afterwards, they sit around and they reflect and talk about when was that first moment that they could feel Jesus' presence. I think we're just like these two travelers, Cleopas and his friend, I think we encounter Jesus at times and don't know it. I think we might encounter Jesus in the literal telling of his story, and we might encounter Jesus in the literal breaking of the bread and having communion together. I also think we might encounter Jesus as we talk to each other, and share our own stories and faith journeys with each other. I wonder if this Walk to Emmaus story is not offering us an affirmation of sorts, an example that searching for this post-resurrection Jesus is always a journey and never a destination. Jesus could always be the lone traveler on the road or the, the other parent in the pickup line. Jesus can be the homeless person in the median on the highway or maybe that friend that we've been meaning to invite to dinner but our schedules are just too busy. 
Jesus can always be the one that we are telling the story of Jesus to. Jesus could always be the one we didn't know was there until we reflect with each other. I think if we're real with each other and with God, this is what our Christian walk of faith is really like. There have been times when we didn't know Jesus was going to be present, and yet he was. This happened to me just last weekend in kind of a small way. I had the honor of spending a whole day and night with 60 Presbyterian women of Village Church. And you'd think that just by having a whole night to myself in a hotel room, just alone would be enough to make me see Jesus. But it turns out Jesus had more in store. On Saturday morning after breakfast, I was tasked with leading those dreaded icebreakers that we do with each other. And I had a whole plan. I was going to help these 60 women meet each other and start off conversation with something light to talk about, maybe about candy, and then work down to meaningful, heart-deep stuff. It was going to be great, y'all. So I set it up. I asked each woman there to pick one of the two pieces of candy on the table. It was either going to be a Reese's peanut butter cup or a Kit Kat. And I simply asked each woman to find someone that had the other type of candy and someone that they didn't know. I said, go. They walked around the room and found each other and started to talk. Did you know that I tried to interrupt them four times? Four times to give them the directions on how to talk to each other. By the fourth unsuccessful try, I could feel the Holy Spirit bop me upside the head and say, Sally, Jesus is here among these women, connecting with each other and telling each other stories. And then Jesus said, my presence is here among each of these conversations. Jesus showed up. So I just let all of these women talk to each other for about 25 minutes. It is almost as if Jesus decides when and where Jesus wants to show up. But I also think this walk to Emmaus passage reminds us that there are things that we can do to facilitate our own recognition of Jesus' presence among us. In this story, Cleopas and his friends, they tell the story of Jesus' life and death. They invite the traveler, the unknown traveler, in for a meal. They share a meal and then reflect. These are the same actions that we do here as a church congregation. 
We invite people in, whether in person or online. We tell the story of Jesus over and over and over again, and we share a meal with each other, and then we reflect with each other. It's in these simple actions that we do over again and again that we begin to understand, that we begin to see the ways that Jesus reveals himself among us. I came across a story just the other day, and it's a bit of a silly and poignant passage from author Anne Lamott's book called Stitches. And I think it describes the importance of doing these things, these regular old things that we do over and over and over again, in the hopes, in the hopes that Jesus might be present. So listen now to her words. Anne writes, So I show up to teach Sunday school two days after the Newton School shootings. I don't overthink what I would say because I always end up telling the kids the same things, that they are loved and chosen, that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and to keep trusting God no matter what things look like and no matter how long an upswing takes. If something awful has occurred, I ask the kids at Sunday school if they want to talk about what happened or if they'd rather make art. 100% of the time, they'd rather make art. And then we pray to try to be good and kind to one another. We read a short passage of Scripture together. We talk about it and try to learn something about our lives and about God's love. And then, as in all great religious traditions, we overeat. So I think whether you are in Anne Lamott's Sunday School class, or if you are on your own journey with Cleopas on the road to Emmaus, it's a powerful message to be reminded that God chooses to show up and reveal in God's own way and at God's own time, no matter how confusing or annoying it is to us. These disciples didn't know they were talking to Jesus. All they knew is that they met someone on the road who did not know the story of Jesus' life and death. And so they told him the story. And then they invited him in, gave him some food. And it's at that moment that they realized that it was Jesus. I did not think that Jesus was going to show up in that icebreaker. I mean, we were going to have communion later in the day. Could he not have chosen that moment? And Anne Lamott reminds us that we keep telling the story reflecting upon God's love, and sometimes make art, and sometimes eat with each other. 
These are the ways that we begin to see Jesus' presence in our own lives and in the world around us. The good news, the good news for today is that we always have to be on the lookout for this resurrected Jesus on the loose in the world. We do not get to control when and where this Jesus shows up, and we may not even know it is happening. But when it does, it is glorious. And it is our story to go and share it with each other. So we are to always be on the lookout for this post-resurrected Jesus in our midst. Let us live into living out our faith with eyes wide open on the chance, the mere chance that we can catch a glimpse of this Jesus in a story that someone tells us, in an invitation, or a meal together. Jesus is in our midst. Thanks be to God. So where will you catch a glimpse of Jesus this week? We pray all these things in the name of the God who rolled that stone away and shows up in unexpected ways and promises abounding hope to all. Alleluia and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.